This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Oh, yes, we are back, and it is the episode, the episode, Jason, the episode, Michael, the episode, Matt, the episode. It is the Sleepers and Bus episode, and we are getting ready for the fantasy football season. Before I tell you guys all about what's coming, I got to say, what's up? What's up, boys? What up, no? What's up? Sup, Tim. So just Sup. so just we have like a little because we you know it's that time of year where the where we get new fans on the podcast and people coming in, uh, and it's important when we do a podcast for young podcasters out there that might be listening to do voice recognition. All right, so that wasn't a great job by me. Let me try that again. Jason, what's up? Hello, newbies. Jason's twin, Michael, whose voice sounds almost exactly the same. What is up? Hello, newbies. <laughs> and Matt, uh, whose voice sounds especially Canadian compared to ours. What's up? <laughs> how's it going what's that all about <laughs> so uh we have what's that all about <laughs> so we have ourselves um an international an international um podcast here we're going to be going through our sleepers of the year um and i i can't wait to get into this we're gonna we're gonna get into that but with that being said there's something that needs to be said before and it is the upcoming schedule what can you expect um, from Brodo uh, in the coming days. So you know how we usually do um, our stuff. We have two episodes per week and an extra episode for the patrons. Um, what you ask for the patrons. Uh, what do you mean? Well, patreon.com slash Fantasy, and you can join right now to get that extra Patreon episode. is going to be the waiver wire episode during the season, the most important episode of the season. Every Tuesday, the waiver wire episode. We're going to be coming to you free um, on Mondays with a recap episode and on uh, Thursdays with a preview episode. Uh, we're going to be starting that uh, uh, for week one. This this week is going to be a little different because we do have Labor Day on Monday. So we are going to record on, on Tuesday. We'll be bringing you uh, not exactly waivers, but something a little different than that. And on top of that, the Thursday night preview. And then on Thursday night, we are going to be coming to you um, with that uh, weekly preview, which will be available to you on your Friday commute, um, 
or if you're a, a, a night owl on Thursday. Uh, so those that's going to be the upcoming schedule uh, for the podcast uh, in the near future. So make sure you stick with the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast to make sure that you are dominating your fantasy leagues. Um, become a patron, too, when you get a bunch of extras. Uh, it's it's money-making time. Uh, Cass had a DFS optimizer that put up money-making lineups literally every week. And you don't have to use the exact lineup, but it helps you optimize value. And he has an algorithm that does just that. The algorithm uh, is available through Broto Fantasy. And then on the other side as well, you get the best ball guide. Uh, that's an, an, all, all still an invaluable, until the season starts, an invaluable thing. So go get it. It's $15 retail. And we're giving it away for to our $5 patrons. And then... I mean, just the real quick, the, uh, the Puppy 4 is going to come out, I assume, over Labor Day weekend. Um, the Puppy was the original draft that I... I mean, that's the draft that I had so much success in last that's season. That's the so. draft. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Do so, uh, yeah. Maybe I gotta get, get myself. I gotta get myself in a pup. You know, in a puppy league. Now that I've uh, read Michael's thing. Um, so yeah. So that's gonna be the pod. Um, and a special announcement. This is this one is uh, a little bittersweet. You, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now. Um, Jason has been an integral part of the podcast. He's brought the inventor of true throw value. He's brought some incredible takes uh, during his time in the podcast. He's in. It, he's brought some incredible anger during his time in the podcast. He's brought some incredible <laughs> a- energy. Uh, and we're going to miss this guy a lot because he is moving on to uh, greener pastures. He's taking his first uh, job at a law firm, one of the uh, – that I'll I'll brag for him since he won one of the top law firms in the country I might add, um, so he's going to be uh, basically an indentured servant uh, to <laughs> hire lawyers for a long time. So that's going to hinder his ability to uh, do this uh, record. But he's still going to be bringing you rankings. He's still going to be behind the this. special guest. Yeah, so the special guest not going to be on on the pod anymore. He's still going to be bringing you. Um, Behind the scenes, Brodo. He's he's Brodo's CFO for real. Like to like he handles all the finances. He handles all the the bills and the day to day stuff and uh, getting all our subscriptions in and getting all our patrons in order and all that stuff. Jason's involved with that, so he's still going to be behind the scenes. But in front of the camera, he's going to be uh, you know semi retired. Maybe he'll be coming out of the retirement here or there. But um, yeah, so I'm gonna let, I'm, I'm gonna stop talking now and let Jason take over from here. All right. Yeah. Uh, I apologize if this is not a. The best farewell speech ever. I would have I would have wrote something a little heartfelt if I wasn't prepared to do this today. And then we realized just now that this is probably my last podcast for a bit, um, which is sad. But as Tim said, it's new beginnings. Um, I just want to thank everyone who listens to Brodo. Uh, thank you guys for being a part of this family. Thank you for listening to my voice and enjoying it. Because a lot of times, as Tim and Michael will say, it's not enjoyable when I'm yelling at them about fucking James Conner. Uh, and then, of course, there's going to be a lot less cursing, apparently, because I just cursed already. Uh, but yeah, so um, I would I am happy to announce that my replacement, Matt Ward, will be on the podcast. Okay. Um, I guess Tim was going to do that. But yeah. Okay, I mean, obviously, I wanted, we didn't plan this one out. <laughs> no, I just I just wanted to say myself if there was anyone that uh, I feel is a worthy replacement, um, not to toot my own horn, but like you know, just. Someone who I know knows their shit. Someone who I know is going to bring entertainment with their words and bring it every day. It's Matt. So uh, Matt's going to be taking over. And thank you, everyone, for listening for all these years. You can keep finding me, as Tim said, on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to hop on the podcast whenever I can, and I'll still be behind the scenes in Brodo. 
So, yeah, that's about it. Uh, this is uh, my, uh, I guess, officially my last podcast as a full-time podcaster. So I'll try to enjoy it. Jason, we're going to miss you, bro. Uh, I, I, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really hit me. I was telling, I keep telling Jason every time I see him, like, yo, I'm going to miss podcasting with you so much, man. And, uh, it's true. I am. But we, like he said, greener pastures. He's also moving out from the basement. As you guys know, Jason lives in the basement underneath me because, uh, (laughs) um, this, that's just how our living situation ended up. He lived in the apartment underneath. First it was Michael and him. And now he's moving out. He's moving out. He's with his girl to greener pastures. So, I don't know who they're going to move in here underneath me, but it's not going to be my brother, so it's going to be whack. And, um, Let's get yeah, Matt in here. so, <laughs> yeah, uh, yo, Matt, you want to move, you want to move in? <laughs> I would so, love. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of moving in, yeah, like you guys know, like, it, it, if you have, if it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been clear, we've been, we've been, le- we've been giving you doses of Matt. Um, preparing you for the for the injection of Matt the that you're gonna yeah switch. the full injection of Matt so it's gonna be the regular podcast uh, and it's gonna be me Matt and Michael uh, coming at you and you know Matt has been the uh, lead writer in Brodo like I last two years ago uh, when the when we really started first started really growing like tremendously as the as the website I was like all right we're gonna need more people than just like me Michael and Jason and and a couple of guys that you know you know we're good but you know we needed more guys and so I decided like uh, you know let's see what's going on on Twitter and I just decided to send out this tweet and you know Matt responded and it, it ended up being one of the uh, more uh, greatest decisions that I've made because Matt's been an incredible contributor to the Brodo f- uh, family and it's, at this point uh, he's such a synonymous name with Brodo and he he gives he gives such good advice and. We trust him. We trust him to bring the advice. And that's not just anyone like to a little bit behind the scenes. Like we we have been looking we've been we looked around for different podcast hosts for different show ideas. And really, like Matt just stands above a lot of guys that we considered um, not joining this show, but considered like like kind of like we were trying to team up with Matt with someone. And, and then we realized like Jason has to leave like. Matt is here. There's no one that can really team up with Matt and be on his level. Let him come to here, and we can. And I don't even know if we're on if we're on your level. And it, it, oh, I don't know, My, Michael. I'll speak for yourself, but like, in, in terms of the fantasy knowledge, like he brings so much. So, so he brings so much to the table. So we're really happy to have Matt uh, here as, as well. So, uh, you want to say a couple it, uh, things to the honor. people, Matt? Oh, dude, it's it, everything is just an honor. That it's it's such a pleasure. Every time that I come on the mic with you guys, like it's just talking football and, and with good friends and good people and people that I genuinely love. And, and that goes for the Patreons and the listeners, too. Like, I love all y'all. So, yeah, I mean, going to miss Jay for sure. And I've got some big shoes to fill, um, but I'm, I'm just happy to be here every time, man. Michael, you want to now since we've all been talking, you want to say something before we get into this? Yeah, Um Jason is uh, the worst twin, so we shouldn't be <laughs> super surprised by this. As I've continued to dominate him throughout the years, he can't defend himself, so I might as well just keep going, right? Why can't I defend myself? How many so home league? How many home league rings do I have, and how many do you have? Jason uh, is this... is the current leader in home league rings over the other Jason. Yeah. Four to yeah, according to you guys, the home league is the only league that matters because that's right. You guys have rings. That's right. Get out of here. Not that's a right. not a thirty two percent advance. Hey, last year I won the tingle league 37. too. So. 
37, sorry, sorry. 37.5. Let me, yeah, let me just say, uh, obviously, um, it's been great recording with Jay, and uh, we're going to miss him, but the special guest will be back at times because I'm going to force him to, even <laughs> if he, uh, even if he's busy, I'm going to say, I don't give, I don't care. You're getting on, <laughs> you're getting on this time. Um, and Matt, just echoing everything Timmy said, um, he's awesome. Tremendous fantasy mind. Uh, we go at it with each other, so that's not going to change on the podcast because me and Jason used to go at it as well. Um, we Back. both have our takes. We'll see at the end of the year who uh, who's more right. Maybe we'll both be right several times. I think that will be the case, but I'll just be more right. That's right, Matt. I'm going to start talking <laughs> shit to you now too. But uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, to have right. Matt podcast so with that being said let's get to business now that we're we got all emotional and things um the way that we um are going to start i just want to say one thing before we get into business actually i want to hear a lot of bets today because after everyone's sleeper and bust i actually didn't tell um these guys this i'm gonna get you everyone's gonna have their own like do you agree disagree like how how hot or cold are you on are you lukewarm like how hot or cold, like maybe a level one to five, something like that. So I'm expecting a lot of bets today. A lot of bets going on today. All right. I will not accept anything else. And do you know who, who else won't accept anything else except excellence? It's the return, baby. We're doing news. So we cannot do news without the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Donnie H. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. Oh, Donnie H. Where have you been in my life? All right. So, anyway, Donnie H. is here. So, let's get to the first player news. Uh, this one is um, this one's unfortunate. Brian Robinson uh, shot uh, multiple times during a carjacking. He was shot twice in the lower body. Released from the hospital is not life-threatening, but this is something that changes a lot of the fantasy outlook of what we're looking at because it looked like Brian Robinson was set to kind of be the early down back in Washington. J.D. McKissick was set to be the passing down back in Washington, and that left Antonio Gibson in this strange place where Ron Rivera said he was going to return kicks. Like, he was not running with the first team in practice. Like, it got to the point where it was clear Antonio Gibson was benched. Now you have a guy who was put through that, coming back, assuming that role again. Um, this is like a second chance for Brian, for for Antonio Gibson. And and again, like look, a guy got shot, and no one likes to talk about like the fantasy implications of a guy getting shot. But this is what we do. This is what we have to do. So Jason, since this is your uh, your last pod, I'm gonna let you start this one off. Um, how do you what what's your what's your reaction to the news uh football wise and how you make it how's this making you feel about antonio gibson i mean this changes everything right like now the headline is robinson may suit up in 2022 so we're going from potential first and second down back to now he's out of the picture um so yeah there's giant implications here because now antonio gibson gets to resume his role because behind him is jd mckissick who's a clear third down back on that team just a pass catching guy so antonio gibson has another chance to prove himself and which means more volume, and volume is often king in fantasy. So I think it changes everything. And if you were able to get Antonio Gibson on his little ADP slide this past week, it's gonna it's gonna work out well for you because I assume his ADP is gonna jump a lot yeah. in the coming. Let weeks. me just hop in here because I've done uh, 
a few best ball drafts since the news. One uh, terrible news. I'm very glad that Brian Robinson's okay because that that shit is just super messed up. Um, so I'm glad it was a non life threatening or anything like that. I hope he recovers well. Um, but as you know, we're a fantasy show, so we must talk about the fantasy side of things as well. I drafted. Uh, we had a wedding on Sunday. Um, the next morning, I believe it was, the Pomeranian 4 came out. That's the No Rake Underdog uh, contest, and they only do fast drafts. I was able to get, I was able to sneak four in the next day, even though I was very busy um, after the wedding and working and all that. But I was able to sneak four in, and people were still drafting. Like, Antonio Gibson's ADP did not go up nearly as high as I think it would. I was ready to draft him in, like, the 60s and 70s at that point, and I thought even then, I was like... His ADP currently on underdogs like 93, so it's went up a little wow. bit. But I was like, you know what? I'm willing to reach for him at like 60, 70 until his ADP um, corrects itself. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, let me wait and see if anyone else in this draft is paying attention. And I was able to get Antonio Gibson in two of the drafts that pick like 90, which is just absolutely absurd to me. Um, so if you're doing best ball drafts on underdog and you see Antonio Gibson there after pick like 70, I mean, I'm I'm drafting him. Like Jason said, now it's Antonio Gibson's backfield again. Of course, J.D. McKissick is going to get uh, pass-catching work, but it's not like Antonio Gibson is a slouch. Um, I know he hasn't had the best preseason, and all his stock was looking down for a while, but things change, and the, situations, the situation is certainly uh, much better for Antonio Gibson's fantasy value at this point. This is fantastic yep. because now the the newest, the new Brodo fantasy, you have three people who are redraft specialty, best ball specialty, and Mr. Dynasty expert here. So, Matt, let me ask you quick because this is, a, this is one thing that's definitely going to help him in the short term, but does it change your outlook on Antonio Gibson and Dynasty? Well, absolutely. And I mean, you saw a similar slide in startups that were happening and, and certainly on trade calculators across all platforms. Um, Antonio Gibson was already on a value decline because it, it was a very strange scenario, but the market is controlled by psychology. So people propped him up as a CMC level ceiling of an asset. He never reached that. So that alone is what dropped his value, even though he was RB 13 in points per game. Like that, that's not a terrible season by any means. He was... It, uh, eighth overall in carries like he had a lot of opportunities and volume drives fantasy so now that he has that volume back um, absolutely that that stock will rise again but I don't think that Antonio Gibson will ever return buying value unless he meets the ceiling that people proposed for him last offseason that's a good point, man. I'm, I, I know that I was high on Antonio Gibson, my Antonio Gibson shares, but I'm I'm guilty of it as well. Yeah. And even in the heat wave, it he it was a he was kind of like a struggling choice for me because he was in that RB dead zone area, and it was like, man, there's still just better options around. And then all the Brian Robinson news, and like as unfortunate as it is, the implications of that are very very negative for his football career as well because well, he is not a generational prospect, and now he plays no rookie games. We'll talk about uh, J.D. McKissick uh, a little bit later on, I have a feeling. Uh, let's go into another piece of news. Ronald Jones uh, makes the team, uh, which is, I think, more of a— I don't know why there was ever a question. <laughs> I mean, well, they got four They got four running backs there, right? They got they got, yeah. they got got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They got Ronald Jones. They have Jarek McKinnon, and they have Isaiah Pacheco. So I think that this also, is— Also, real quick. This is a—, a, this is a, this is a as they would say on Twitter— 
Ronald Jones makes a team. This is an Isaiah Pacheco tweet. I'm just going to make a... Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to be kind of an asshole real quick. Because, um, like, so we have fantasy football people who just hype up Isaiah Pacheco like he's the next great thing, like, for no reason. And then, but on the other hand, we now have, like, actual football reporters who just make shit up as well. Who just say, oh, Ronald Jones isn't going to make the roster. The fuck do you know that? You don't. And guess what? He made the roster. Like, I feel like, I, I might just be spitballing here, but I feel like the market is in fantasy football where we're taking, like, these Isaiah Pacheco love and shit is kind of now fading into actual NFL non-fantasy reports with shit yes. like Ronald Jones might not make the roster. Why? Because I think Jason because Gregory Fantasy right. Football Man said I really like Isaiah Pacheco. Gregory like, <laughs> Smire. It's it's wild. Like it's I feel like at Gregory Fantasy Football Man. So Let now me just... we have absurd takes on both the NFL level and the fantasy football level. I think he's art imitates life. I think he's one hundred percent correct. Let me just throw this in there too. Or life one... imitates art. <laughs> yeah, there you go. One uh, Isaiah Pacheco's ADP is hilarious to me. Um, in like high stakes drafts now, he's going in like the tenth, eleventh round. Like, this That's is this is another wild. reason why high stakes drafts. Like, people think the people who are drafting in these like thousand dollar leagues um, are the best. No, they just have money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Big people facts. forget that eleven people lose that league every year as well. Yeah. Like, and or, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, it's a high stakes league. I'm trying to win a million dollars, like in the FFPC main event, the main, the grand prize yeah, of a million dollars. Right. Like, so I take shots. This is why I took uh, Travis Etienne at the turn in, at, in the f- first round. This is why I took Gabriel Davis at the turn in the third round. This is why I took Isaiah Pacheco in the ninth round. And I look at their team and I'm like. Oh look, you just donated two thousand dollars, you idiot! <laughs> like, there's a difference between shooting for upside and drafting a good team. And like Isaiah Pacheco's ADP is absurd. With Ronald Jones making the team, I think that just kind of made me laugh a little bit because let's be real, like, what's Isaiah Pacheco's role? Honestly, like, Ch is still going to be the main guy. I think Jarek McKinnon is clearly ahead of Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco, even an underdog ADP, is going in like the one thirties, one forties. I've been drafting Jarek McKinnon. With my last pick, pick 200, 210 repeatedly over the last like week. Cause it seems like he's the number two running back on that team. And he was the guy who uh, dominated in that backfield during the playoffs for the Chiefs last year. And who so, they like, paid. And who they he's paid. He's the guy they paid. And like, <laughs> and Jarek McKinnon actually has had hype in the past and was like a good prospect and a good athlete. And it's just like, it blows my mind that people are like they and fall for things like Isaiah Pacheco. One other quick note: Let's not forget about the fun name to say. Uh, part I I need to look into this like the fun name psychology experiment. Isaiah Pacheco Isaiah is Pacheco. way more fun of a name, guys, <laughs> than Ronald Jones. Like I feel like people just like to say the more fun name. No offense, to any Ronald yeah. Joneses out there. Tim Patrick has but, been getting this heat well, for a while now. Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco. I know Curtis more, Samuel. Jerry Judy's way more fun to say than Tim Patrick. <laughs> Tim Patrick's been better. Ronald Jones made the roster. Sorry, Isaiah Pacheco. Your name's fun to say, but we're not going to be saying it much after today. I I, I mean, I, Jason. Only Jason brings analysis like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it. Um, let's get to the next one. A, a, a little bit better news for a running back. Oh man, if you were gonna pick a spot for Kenyon Drake, would is it there a better spot in the league than the Baltimore Ravens? Nope. Uh, the Ravens signed running back uh, Kenyon Drake, which is good for him, but bad for fantasy managers. I feel like uh, one of the things that 
I have been doing in the last round, Jason, speaking of, I mean, Michael, speaking of you in the last round, I've been drafting Mike Davis in every last round. And I've been thinking to myself, okay, I have That's a the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because he's pure trash. Yes, but I would also would have had the starting running back for the Ravens against the Jets week one. See, this is why people are drafting Marlon Mack too. It's just you know. No, no, no. It was dumb. No, that's that's the starting yes. running back for the Houston Texans. I'm starting the Houston. I'm starting the the starting running back for the Baltimore Ravens against the Jets. There's there's a very big difference. Anyway, I was trying to I was trying to sneak a little uh, flex action uh, in the beginning, but I, it, it, if I had to bet right now, I'd say Kenyon Drake gets the opening snap. Uh, and the reason why Kenyon Drake is on the team is because Mike Davis can't cut it. So I I. I I think that this is a good move if you're a Kenyon Drake dynasty guy. I think that Kenyon Drake is worth a pickup uh, for a week one flyer until J.K. Dobbins gets back. J.K. Dobbins does not look like he's going to be back. Week well, one let's see. We don't at know this point. Sure. Well, there's a, a news report that it's, it's not looking likely. So um, Ian, Ian Rappaport said status for week one is, quote, certainly in doubt. So, you know, I mean, this is why I was uh, I was fading that Baltimore backfield on the heat wave, which is what I was talking about. But. I'll tell you one thing, the Kenyon Drake, uh, I was drafting him in best ball a decent amount in the early days, so when he got cut, I was like, damn, but I'm pretty darn happy with the landing spot in Baltimore, I'm not going to lie. Matt, how you feeling about yeah, Kenyon no, there's, Drake? There's some, up, there's some upside there for sure, that's undeniable. Anybody that you put in that Ravens back, we saw Alex Collins rush for 200 yards in that Ravens backfield, so like I... It, honestly, it's just a function of the system and how much they like to run the rock, so yeah, and I kind of do think you know to credence to tim is that he's probably the starter now if jk dobbins isn't ready to go i mean even if he is and they're like just appeasing him as a player because of how much of a dog he is they're like fine we'll give you 10 snaps i don't think they're gonna be the first 10 snaps of the game do you know what i mean yeah. I, I yeah i think that it, this is you know we're gonna have our week one rankings coming up and we talk about how things change in the season it's not the draft and if Kenyon Drake gets named the starter against the Jets week one, I think I'm starting him as a top 24 option. I actually, in our home league, I uh, I picked up Kenyon Drake today. So, Tim, I play you week one. Maybe I'll be starting Kenyon Drake. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good thing that my team's too good to put Kenyon Drake on the roster for in, for your sake. All right. Bye. Yeah, okay. let's, uh, <laughs> after the draft, Tim told me my team was better than his guy. So I mean, Michael drafted a better team than me. But then Did I, I had, grade those? Were those the teams yes, that I Yes, those are the teams you graded. I, had, I have since made like a it. trade that I think makes my team – significantly better in acquiring Stefan Diggs. So I let's just uh Oh, I know that trade. I'm happy you did that. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy I did that too. So uh anyway, uh let's move on uh here to oh baby, it's time. Alright, so let's start on a positive note. All right. Today we're doing sleepers and busts. You know we like to end on a negative note. We got we each got three players each. So we're gonna be going uh deep. And the way that we're doing this is di is different than your regular sleepers and bust episode. We have a high-level sleeper, someone that's basically in the top three, four rounds that we think is going to be uh, a, a sleeper that could make it to that next level. Um, we have a medium-range sleeper, someone who is in the middle rounds who we think can be a value, and then a low-range sleeper, someone that we're reaching for, someone that we are, are digging for. Uh, any questions about that, guys? Nope. All right. Let's get into the first Sleeper. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! 
that going to be your new alarm? Yeah, maybe. All right, Jason, you're up. Uh, who is your first sleeper? Oh, high level? High level. We'll start with the high level, of course. All right, so I guess it's um, a little uh, poetic justice that I'm going to be talking a lot about true throw value today in my last full-time podcaster episode uh, because that's a stat that I invented. And basically, it's a very important stat because it tells you how valuable a quarterback's throw is. And Russell Wilson has a very valuable throw. And Cortland Sutton is my high-level sleeper. Cortland Sutton! Someone who I think can definitely finish as a wide receiver one this year who is not being drafted as such. His highest ADP is actually in underdog. That's creeping up to almost 12, I think. Um, But in, in like, home sites, you can get him a lot later. He's going around in the 20s, I believe. Um, And Cortland Sutton now is in... Denver with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has a true throw value of at least 0.577 each of the last four seasons. That means he's averaging more than half a fantasy point per throw. That's a finish of at least eighth every season. And let's not forget that Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll have held Russell Wilson back forever. Like, you think about the fact that the last four seasons, he's averaging more than a half point per throw. And the fact that he hasn't been averaging like 30 points a game, considering he also runs, is absurd. So as long as his, uh, as long as his volume goes up just a little bit, we're we're looking at like a possibly very good season here, and we've seen what Russell Wilson could do with Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin, DK Metcalf, freaking Greg Olson. So the only question here is who's going to see the most targets? Cortland Sutton has averaged 15 yards per target in his career. Camp rumors are that Cortland Sutton is Russell Wilson's go-to at this time. He has a 72. 1,112 yard and six touchdown season under his belt with Joe Flacco and Drew Locke throwing the ball. Tim Patrick is injured. Jerry Judy is his main competition. He has three touchdowns in his entire life and no more than 850 yards in a season. So besides being comp to Julio Jones coming out, he's basically done nothing in his life. So please give me all of the Cortland Sutton this year. I like it. I, I, I'm going to have to say I agree with Jason a lot on this one. I like Cortland Sutton. I, I, I haven't had the Jerry opportunity. Jerry Judy just catching strays. Yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't <laughs> had the opportunity to get him because I'm afraid of Jerry Judy. I think that's the only pushback I have. So if I had to grade on a one through f- one through five scale on how much I agree with Jason, five being the most and one being the least, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put like a 3.5. I think that it's more likely that Cortland Sutton is the main guy there. But I don't know. Jerry Judy was highly drafted. Um, I know he hasn't shown a lot right now, but again – Poor quarterback play. So I think it's important to remember that. And, you know, I Russell Wilson supports wide receiver ones. So you have to make your bet. I don't know if I want to make a bet on that guy with that kind of draft capital because right now in home leagues, you're, you're having to draft him in the fourth round. You're having to, it's, it's getting to that point. Uh, fifth round if you're lucky, but it's, most of the time it's going to be the fourth round. So I, I, I'm at a three and a half. How are you feeling, Matt? I, I, I'm a Jerry Judy guy. Like I really like Jerry Judy. Uh, I, I liked him a lot coming out of college and he's just not done it. He has scored more than three touchdowns in his life though. Jason, like, come on. That kid was a Bolitnikoff winner for fuck's sakes. Uh, it is um, professional but, life. <laughs> but, but I'm, I do kind of, I think I even agree with him a little more than Tim. I'm going to go like a 3.9. Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's very Matt of Matt. Uh, Michael, how you feeling about it? Yeah, I'll go with like a four point two. I like. I'm a Russell Wilson believer. Um, I've been screaming from the rooftops for years that we're missing one of the best quarterbacks of 
our generation um, because of Pete Carroll and com- and Brian Schottenheimer. So I'm excited to see what he could do in Denver this season. And uh, I think Corlin Sutton, without Tim Patrick there, like Jason said too, he could be a big time, um, could have a big time season. You know, it's uh, something the, the the fantasy footballer said something today that that about Russell Wilson that I definitely thought like resonated with me. It's like, yes, Russell Wilson is a cornball. Yes, I don't want to have a beer with him, but he's a fucking good quarterback. So like, that doesn't matter. You can make fun of him all you want, yeah. but at the end of the day, he's a great quarterback. He's a really. Good I'd have a beer with him, uh, Michael. Yeah, me too. I mean, <laughs> as long as Sierra came. Who's your high level bust? I mean, high level. Sorry, bust? high level sleeper. Yeah. My high level sleeper. Um, so. This guy, you shouldn't be surprised when I say his name because I've been a fan of his for years. Um, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Look, Ooh. his ADP right now on Fantasy Pros is actually all the way down at wide receiver 32. He's up to like wide receiver 23 on underdogs, so quite a bit of a discrepancy there. If you get Juju as a 30th wide receiver off the board, that's just stealing. Look, Juju had one of the best age-adjusted first two seasons in the league in NFL history, and that's not even being hyperbolic. Um, at age 21 and 22, he caught 169 balls, 2,322 yards, and 14 touchdowns in his first two seasons. Since then, his career has fallen off a cliff for several reasons. Um, injuries um, and the demise of Ben Roethlisberger are the two main two main um, reasons for that demise. His yards per target his his yards per target dropped every year over the last three years, from 2019 to 2020 to 2021. A uh, dropped his true throw value start true target value started wavering besides the in and he started getting injured and besides the injuries a lot of the issues were due to the fact that it was the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback and not Ben Roethlisberger from Juju's season one and season two years remember this guy was being drafted in dynasty as the wide receiver one in some one um, in some uh, Juju Smith Schuster at one point in dynasty was considered the safest possible asset you could invest in yeah I mean this guy was 22 years old and put up like people looked at him yards. like they look at Jamar Chase today yeah 1400 yards at 22 years old is insane now he gets to be the wide receiver one for the best quarterback in the league get out of here with MVS this journeyman at this point who just runs straight get out of here with me cole hardman who is literally a terrible football player and then you got rookie wild card sky Moore, who i'm not betting on um being better than juju smith schuster and then you got travis kelsey who's aging and someone i'm a little bit scared about this season um from a production standpoint compared to his best years so i mean sign me up all day for juju I, I think his ADP is silly. I think he should be going inside the top 20 wide receivers. I'm agree with you that his ADP is silly, but I'm going to give you... So I'm going to say f- 3.5 as well. I'm going to say on Juju because I think I believe in Juju being the number one option for the wide receivers there. I don't know if his role... I don't know what his role is going to be. And uh, the, I, I wrote an article about Juju and, you know, this is a guy who's not been a guy who creates yards on his own. He's one of the lowest yards uh, yards after catch uh, Since compared Big ben to expected. piece of trash. I mean, yeah, but in, in his... Sure, oh. sure, sure, sure. But with that being said, he's also an injury risk. He's already had some hamstring issues during camp. I'm just... I'm really just... I'm nervous about Juju, but his ceiling is so high. So I'm going to go 3.5. Matt, how you feeling about it? 50. 50. Okay, Matt is on board. Jason, how you feeling? I'm going to sound like a boomer, but I'm going 3.7 because I don't know if Juju got the dog in him. 
Hmm. Okay. He's a fucking. He's a TikToker who's fallen off the last two years. Wow. That's a. That's. I don't know if he got the dog. I don't know, man. Honestly, like Juju, he's got even with all the injuries in the Hall of Big Ben and the decline, the kid has a a career target share of twenty point four percent. Tyreek Hill, when he was wide receiver one overall and wide receiver two in points per game, had twenty one point three percent target share that season, which was like almost a career low for Tyreek. So literally, like a. 20% 20% target share in a Patrick Mahomes-led offense can put up wide receiver one numbers. So. Okay, so I'm glad you said that, Matt, because that's going to very much help me in my argument for my deep sleeper. So just everyone remember what Matt just said. Matt, with that being said, who's your high-level sleeper? Hollywood Brown. Yes, yeah. I like this one. I like this one a lot. Matt, Matt caught yeah, some flack I mean, on Twitter I... for this one today. <laughs> oh, did I? Did I? It was honestly just a breakfast narrative tweet. Like, I was like, hey, do people forget that they played their, you know, Hollywood was Kyler's favorite target in college because they played together in Oklahoma. Like, those guys were obviously at the mess hall together eating brunch. Um, And it really, like, went over the top because, you know, people have a hard-on for Nuke. And for a good reason, the guy's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. But he's also a 30-year-old Hall of Fame wide receiver on the decline of his career that saw a 58% drop-off in um, yards per game last season and that's like before injury if you want to even do the splits hollywood cleared him in opportunity share and i know a lot of people are going to say because offense was run but i'm just of the mind that good players earn targets and if you're going to tell me that christian kirk and aj green were a better target competition than rashad bateman and mark andrews i think you're absolutely crazy and put up a 26.7 percent target share uh 27.9 target rate he had 32.4% of the team's air yards and Hopkins was just 20.5, 22 and under 30. Like there's no denying that he is on the decline and he's going to sit six games. So Hollywood is in a much higher efficiency passing offense, an offense that is going to pass more than the Ravens did last season and is the de facto wide receiver one for six games with a quarterback that he has an incredible history with, Um, an incredible history that essentially led to Kyler being a first-round pick. People forget that Marquise Brown led that team in receiving with Mark Andrews and CeeDee Lamb on the roster. Like, he smashed CeeDee's best season in in his comparable best season in Oklahoma. So, like, Marquise Brown is – actually, shout-out to Acash on – on Twitter at YZR Fantasy, he he was brought up that the only time that Marquise hasn't been his team's leading receiver was his rookie season, and that's playing with Mark Andrews in the NFL and with CeeDee Lamb and Andrews in college. That's the only time he hasn't been the leading receiver on an offense is his rookie year. And people are, like, really, really concerned that he's not going to be able to perform with Kyler Murray, who is perennially top five in true throw value. I, I, I I'm going to put a... I, I don't want to put a five, but I think I'm going to put a four point eight on this one. I I, I really like uh, Hollywood's out outlook. I I think he's a smash, smash, smash like wide receiver one type potential in the first six weeks, and then when when Hopkins comes back, like I don't think it's that yo your your cat in the background match just scared the living shit out of me. Um, and then and then like uh it, like I don't think it's gonna be I, I I've lost my train of thought because of your cat. To be honest, I'm giving it a hundred. Like I'm also. It's it's not it's not nuke slander to say that yes, Marquise Brown is going to excel in the Cardinals offense. Like there's no denying that I think when Nuke comes back, they're just like it ha- it's every year and it's not just one team, it's multiple teams. There's a Chris Godwin, there's a Mike Evans, there's a T. Higgins, there's a Jamar Chase, there's a Cooper Cup, there's a Odell Beckham, or it was Robert Woods. Like good offenses score a lot of points and open up for other 
weapons to be able to be functional. It's not saying that Nuke is completely dust or that he's not going to be able to produce in that offense. It's the fact that Hollywood is going to produce better than he ever has in his career, which is already phenomenal in the Cardinals offense. I'm, I'm also weary of an older player who just got caught taking steroids. I also, yeah, and you, and you got to think about Nuke is like, they also, he only got 21% yes. of the targets last last year, which is, you know, it's it's less, less than that. He got, le- yeah, like rounding up to 21% of the targets. And they, they shrank his route tree so much where he was just on the outside, played on the same side. So like Nuke was a guy who opened things up for other guys and, we're going to be talking about some other guys in this Cardinals offense, so let me stop. I, I'm going to say, and so I already said my number. Michael, what's your number? For Hollywood Brown, I'm going to give like a, I'll go the same as, a little bit higher than Sun, like 4.5. I'm a big fan of Hollywood Brown this season, especially at ADP as well. Jason? 100. All right, so I'm going my high-level guy. I'm sticking with my guy. All right, and you know what? You could say what you want about me being a Jets fan, about me being a homer. I don't care because this is the pick. This is the smart pick, and it's Mr. Brees Hall. That's right, the guy that's in your in your Twitter feed like, oh, my God, he's not getting all the carries. He didn't have a great preseason, blah, 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 blah. None of that shit matters. None of it matters, okay? Look, we've been over Brees Hall so many times, but I'm just going to go over it really quick. 99% dominator 99 sorry dominator rating in college one of only six running backs to ever have that happen the team traded up to get him okay they traded up to get him in the second round one of the first picks in the second round according to PFF the Jets have a top half O-line coming in 13th now that now that was with Makai Becton but you arguably replace Becton with a better player in Dwayne Brown it's very important to say yes Dwayne Brown is not in his prime but he still is a good player he had a very good season last year and the reason why he wasn't signed is because he had a DUI in the offseason right this was not because he couldn't play anymore so the Jets just happened to have a great left tackle now who's going to play right tackle well he's going to get play left tackle and George Fant going back to right tackle it's it's going to be it's going to be maybe even a better offensive line okay they just have to get it together because it hasn't looked like that so far um they're going to have a better defense which means they're going to be running the ball a little a little more People are worried about Michael Carter. That's okay. Look, I watched Michael Carter play. He's a good player. But you're getting Brees Hall in the fourth round. The fact that Michael Carter is going to play is already baked in there. And I see a lot of of similarities. And I know this is a, a, a line that's been drawn by other fantasy analysts. I'm going to say it anyway. About the J- what happened with Jonathan Taylor. These guys are on the kind of the same level. And I think it's important to remember. That the Jets, the Jets traded up to get him. Brees Hall already in his college career, 800 touches for 4,700 yards and 56 touchdowns under his belt. Repeat, 800 touches, 56 touchdowns, 4,700 yards. Just to put that in context... Brees Hall already has more touches than Michael Carter has in his entire college career, which Michael Carter was a senior. Brees Hall came out as a junior. And Michael Carter's rookie season in New York. So Brees Hall has tread on his tires. You don't trade up for a guy who's been that productive to wait. Do you have to wait maybe after this Ravens game? Week one, maybe. I'm not going to be a guy. Look, I have Brees Hall on my team. Chance, There's a chance I sit him. Week one, but that's not going to 
deter me at all. I think it's not going to be a, a long time before he plays teams where, look, they have to play the AFC North, and the AFC North looks daunting from a win-loss standpoint, but you can run on the, on the Steelers. You can run on the Browns. These are teams that you, you, you've been able to run on. You can run on the Bengals. The Bengals have an improved defense, but these are teams that you were able to run on last year. So what looks like a strong, like a, which, which is a bad matchup because the Jets might get L's, it's still a good matchup for the running backs. So I don't think it's going to take a long time for him to get acclimated. I think it's going to take one big run for him to, to get most of the carries. They like what they saw in practice. The start of the season might be bad. But patience will be key. It will pay off. Trust me, you cannot get another guy in the fourth round. If you're going to be in the dead zone for running backs, take a shot on Brees Hall. He is my high-level sleeper. How are you guys feeling with your agreement on that? Um, I'll give you the, a 3.2. The only issue I have with Brees Hall, I like him. I like the talent. I don't even think he's a bad pick at ADP, per se. Um, I just think if he has a... Uh, Jonathan Taylor-esque start to his career where he does split carries with Michael Carter and he's just barely like basically just a flex player for the first five or so weeks depending on your roster construction that could uh that could damage your team um and it might be hard to come back from I'll tell you um, this Brees Hall should be your RB2 if you're if you have if you, you should have you should not have him as your RB1 but I think that Someone I might mention later too. I think you should draft Kareem Hunt if you're a Brees Hall guy. If you're if you're drafting Brees Hall, go ahead and draft Kareem Hunt in the seventh round, eighth round, where he's going, and let him be your RB two for a little while while Jacoby Brissett is dumping these balls down to running backs with the with the greatest uh, volume that you're going to see out of any of these quarterbacks. Um, all right, let's get to our mid range sleepers. Let's uh, switch it up a little this time. Michael, haven't heard from you a little bit. Get into your mid range sleeper, my bro. Sure. Uh, my mid-range sleeper. See, I chose these players. I didn't realize their ADPs. Like Juju was ADP wide receiver thirty-two. Elijah Moore ADP wide receiver thirty-three. Let's keep it with the Jets. Wow. Um, he's going right around that area and underdog as well. So fantasy pros is more in line. Like Elijah Moore wide receiver thirty-two in points per game as a rookie, even though he was wide receiver sixty-seven in true target value. Um, he had a slow start to the season. Understandable for a rookie, um, of course. But then he went on a tear halfway through the year. See, going on a tear halfway through the year is something that's a little concerning for Brees Hall. Um, but yeah, Elijah Moore, between weeks between week 7 and 13 last year before he got hurt, wide receiver 36, 26, 1 overall, 25, 3, 40, and 9. He was a top 5 wide receiver during that stretch. Top 5 in the Jets' abysmal offense. How quickly people forget. Uh, for whatever reason, people get blinded when it comes to um when it comes to elijah moore i think uh i guess it's because it's the jets and people like to make jokes about the jets sucking but the jets sucked last year and elijah moore still balled out as a rookie um he was he was 32nd in points per game as a rookie including his slow start to the season and now he's being drafted as the wide receiver 32 there's an improved o-line um an improved offense overall a second year Zach Wilson, yeah, he's injured right now, but even he'll be back soon. And Joe Flacco's a at least a decent and capable backup. I mean, um, good news is a lot of those games that that he had came with Flacco, so Flacco hyper targeted him, and we know that Flacco like the guy he gets the most comps to these days is Steve Smith, and Flacco hyper targeted Steve Smith, so that's that's a good news. And uh, yeah, Elijah Moore. So in our in our home league, I took 
Deontay Johnson, hoping Juju Smith-Schuster would fall back to me. I was trying to play the ADP game, but I shouldn't have played the ADP game in our home league because you guys know me and you guys know the players I like and stuff. I, I lost the ADP game every single time I played it in that, in that so, draft. Uh, that was really, I mean, I'm very happy with my draft. team, but I took, I took Deontay Johnson and missed out on Juju. I actually prefer Juju to Deontay Johnson, even though Deontay's going a lot higher. And then I took... Wow. And then I took Rashad Bateman, hoping Elijah Moore would fall to me. Elijah Moore did not fall back to me, and I think, like, I think Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore are basically uh, mono e mono as well. Like, I I think it's a toss up who has a better sophomore season. Um, so yeah, I think Elijah Moore. Like, if you look, you know, you guys know me. I'm big on wide receivers. I'm big on anchor running backs. But if you're able to like, if you're playing in a Yahoo league, an ESPN league, where these guys is um, ADPs are are suppressed and you're able to start a draft say dalvin cook and joe mixon and then you're able to get Cortland sutton juju smith schuster hollywood brown and elijah moore you're not going to lose a game if you ask me honestly like <laughs> that would be like i I'd never start with two running backs i was going to say uh, this is like i can't believe what i'm hearing right now but michael but like, has a right very now good point. if you're in a yahoo or espn league or like you're playing with uh, a home league against players who don't really keep too much uh, too much of a close eye on uh, trends and things of that sort, you could really get a sacked wide receiver group in the middle rounds um, as well. All right. How are we feeling about this? I'm going to go with a 4.2. I, um, I like this one. Eight. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give it a five. Can we just flat. stick I mean, between think... five and one five? And five. <laughs> no, that one's huge. Yeah, I'll give it a five flat though. Um, honestly, I think Elijah probably has the best chance out of all of the sophomore receivers because we're seeing how high Chase and Waddle are already going. But the best chance of all of the sophomore receivers to see the biggest jump in ADP when it comes to the 2023 draft season. All right, um, let's move on to uh, Jason. Jason, your second mid-range sleeper. Sticking to the true value game here. Uh, I'm going with Mr. Robert Woods. Oh, this is a... I would even call this a low-level sleeper almost. Uh, possibly, but I went lower level for that. But that's that's exactly my point, man. Robert Woods is being drafted outside of the top 40 wide receivers right now. And I know he tore his ACL last year. But that was halfway through the season. He's had a lot of time to recover. And ACL injuries aren't career killers anymore these days. And if you look at the situation around him, I don't know if people know this, but once the Rams acquired Allen Robinson, they literally told Robert Woods to choose where he wants to go. And he chose the Tennessee Titans. And part of that may be because A.J. Brown was on the team at the time. And he's not anymore. But it doesn't matter. Because he wants to be in Tennessee... And this guy, if you if you take his pace from last season, because he did play half a season, this would have been his third season in four years where he had 90-plus receptions, 1,000-plus yards, six-plus touchdowns. And now he has Ryan Tannehill as his... He's the number one target for Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill, before his dreadful season last year, where his true throw value was 29th in the league, was third, second, and sixth. So I'm not ready to say that Ryan Tannehill is just done. Robert Woods has been a rock-solid wide receiver to his entire career, and the people around him are Traylon Burks, who whispers are that he is not super ready at the moment based on what he's been doing in camp. Uh, fucking Nick Westbrook-Akina and Austin Hooper. Like, this is a team devout of 
weapons through the air. Uh, devoid, not devout, right? Devoid. Devoid. <laughs> it was devoutly devoided. And when Derrick Henry is just pounding it down the throats of defenses and Ryan Tannehill's ready to play action and hit someone for a touchdown, it's going to be Robert Woods. Like, he's basically yeah. free right now, and he could easily go 81,005. Michael, you're too, now, you, now you're talking my language. Maybe not 80, because AJ Brown wouldn't need, like 70. Let's say 7,906. He's still paying off ADP. You're gonna get him for almost free at this point. You're getting him tenth, eleventh round. Yeah. Like this is uh this is a guy. I like it. Uh, you know, it's an ice cream sandwich. He's coming off an ACL, yeah. which is a little scary. He's older, which is also a little scary. We just he's thirty. Uh, we just he, talked. He got to, a year or two left. We just talked to Sofo, um, the injury expert. That's gonna be on the Patreon episode, Patreon.com/slash/BrotoFantasy. If you want to hear that, um, he's talking about how young guys could recover, and the first year after an ACL is always a tough year. So that. Causes me concern, but he's got the opportunity and he's got the role, so I like that. Um, so I'm gonna give it a three, right in the middle. Uh, how you feeling about that, Matt? Yeah, three, six. And yeah, then- I really like Robert Woods, um, just in general. So a, a little bit of fan bias there, but I also do think, um, kind of exactly what Jason said. I think he's probably gonna lead that team in targets, which would be de facto lead that team in receptions because he's got such a high career catch rate anyway. Um, yeah. Michael? Yeah, I, I like it. The only concerns are the age and the injury, which which are justifiable concerns. Facts. Michael? Michael's Michael, muted, I guess. Michael, did you mute yourself? You can figure it out, Michael. Come on. Yeah, I'm back. There, I'm back. there back. he is. I did the I did the cast. Cast is uh, <laughs> infamous for doing that. Um, I'll give it a 3.3 right in between Matt and Tim. You know I love me some ice cream sandwich. Um, but the Tennessee Titans offense is not ideal for pass catchers at this point. Um, Ryan Tannehill has decreased in uh, inefficiency over the last couple seasons. We don't know how effective um, Derrick Henry is going to be able to be off his injury. Obviously, he's still great, but I am a little bit scared about re-injury now with all the tread that he has on his tires. And Ryan Tannehill was a lot worse without Derrick Henry um, opening it up for him. Traylon Burks, they drafted as well, who uh, has some potential to be the wide receiver one. So, 3.3. All right, I'm going next. Uh, Before I get into this, I just want to tell you guys something that I thought was very interesting. 11 of the top 20 guys in ADP right now are playing with a new quarterback. Either on a new team or like Debo, I counted. You know, so it's like... uh, there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of unknown. We don't know what's going to go on in an offense. But here's something we do know. We know that second-year wide receivers usually have great seasons after they break out in a rookie season. And there's one guy that is being disrespected with his ADP, if you're asking me. And this guy wasn't really on my radar. Um, I did not really pay much attention to him. I thought he was just a regular old run-of-the-mill wide receiver. Um, and... The more I started drafting and mock, mock drafting and, and just drafting in general, the more I noticed that this guy kept finding his way to my team. And that is Amon Ross St. Brown of the Detroit Lions. Now, this is why I think Amon Ross St. Brown, particularly in PPR, I think Amon Ross St. Brown has wide receiver one potential in PPR. And right now he's being drafted as a low-end wide receiver two. Here's the reason why. Now, first of all, my love for the St. Brown family 
my admiration for the St. Brown family has been well documented on this show. Um, you got if you watch Hard Knocks, you got a li- just a little sneak peek of what the St. Brown family does, and that believe me, that was just the tip of the iceberg. I love his mentality. If you watch Hard Knocks. You, he has off the top of his head a list of all the players that was drifted that were um, drafted before him and how he wants to take over. And he's talking about Jamar Chase. Like he's talking about he wants to be better than Jamar Chase. And he truly believes that he's better than Jamar Chase. I love that he has drive. All right, these are narrative driven. Now that we're done with the narrative drive, let's get into these numbers. Last season, he ended the season on absolute fire. He finished as below. Wide receiver six, one time from week 13 on. One time he finished below wide receiver six. You're talking about Elijah Moore and his run? The Amon Ross St. Brown run was absolutely ridiculous. Now, this was his rookie season, and he needed time to get acclimated, but this wasn't something that just came out of nowhere or because of injuries. You're going to see that his target percentage goes up and up and up and up, but here's why I love it so much. Because from week 13 on, when he went crazy, his target percentage was literally unfucking believable Like, to the point where it's like, I'm, you're not going to be able to, re- to even listen to these numbers I'm about to say. Here's his target percentage from week 13 on. 29 29.3%. 32.4%. 31.4%. 29.7%. And 31.2%. This guy averaged over 30% of the targets in the last few weeks. And that is not a mistake. He earned it. His first game of 20% 20 of uh, targets plus was week four. He only had under... I'm sorry. Week four and only was under 16% of the targets once after that. He earned his way up. He got 7% of the snaps in his first game, 20% of the targets in his fourth game, and was never under 16% for the remainder, and then went absolutely crazy. And the reason why I love him so much is basically fantasy football comes down to an equation for me. It's situation plus opportunity plus talent. And when you're talking about situation, the Lions may not seem like a great situation, but they are. And here's why. Their defense is going to suck. They are going to throw a lot. And usually, yeah, that's the narrative for every single uh, wide receiver on a bad team. This team has the third-ranked offensive line in pro football focus. Jared Goff is going to have time to find his receivers. Number two, opportunity. Who is the competition for targets with Amon Ross St. Brown right now? Jamison Williams, their first-round pick, is not going to play for a long time. Some estimates say week 6 at best, week 10. You don't know how he's recovering. Then you have DJ Chark, who has put up 1,000-yard season in his entire career and has never shown to be to the level of target percentage that Amon Ross St. Brown has already shown in his career. I think that it's very important to note that this offensive line for the Detroit Lions is the strength of the Detroit Lions, and Jared Goff is going to be finding Amon Ross St. Brown in that slot a lot. It's going to be, it's going to be pepper. It's going to be. I don't think if we're going to see thirty plus opportunities, but I think a twenty five percent target share for Amon Ross St. Brown is not out of the question. I think that he could put up elite target share because last year he showed that he was the guy who got open 
in this offense. And I'm not scared of DJ Chark. I'm not scared of a rookie coming off an ACL. Now, if you're talking about his dynasty outlook because because of uh, Jameson Williams, that's a different story. But for this year, I'm not scared of DJ Chark. I'm not scared of a rookie coming off an ACL. And I have confidence in this Lions offensive line. This is the highest the Lions offensive line has been ranked since um, I've been going over this this very good Lions offensive line for the last few years now. They've put some first-round picks on the offensive line. This is one and of the best. Sewell, bro. Right. This is one of the best offensive lines in the league. There's no way around it. Like their worst graded player was a 68 last year. And that's and that is a above starter starter above average starter grade on PFF. So their worst starter is an above average starter. And that's and you know Jared Goff is not a guy who's going to go downfield. I love Amon Ross St. Brown and his position in the slot for this team. I think he has PPR demon written all over him. And I think that people are going to regret sleeping on Mr. Amon-Ra. Um, yeah. So after that spiel, how are you guys feeling about that? Yeah, I feel like the uh, the uh, the SpongeBob guys about to come in and be like, 20 years later." <laughs> Facts. I'll give you a. I'll give Amon-Ra a, a three. I think he's being I think he's being drafted appropriately, honestly, with the uh, with the team around him. Matt. I got a three eight. I, I like Amon Ra. And I don't. I, I agree with him. I don't think it was just an accident that that kid earned such an insane target share. Yeah, I'll go with a four. I nice. like him at his ADP. Um, just just uh, honorable mention to I want to say like I, this was almost Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt going at RB thirty two right now is one of the most egregious oversights of the fantasy football season. This guy is a. They, we went over it on the on the Browns uh, episode that we just dropped, but. This guy is every single time he's in, he sometimes outperforms Nick Nick uh, Nick Chubb. He's a top twenty four running back every single time he's on the field. Doesn't matter, and people are just forgetting about him because he got injured last year. I think it's a. I think uh, also Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's a guy that I love getting in this. I I have him in almost every single draft I've done. It's a uh, Kareem Hunt and is becoming my favorite guy. Um, with that being said, Matt, who is your the last one of the crew, uh, mid level sleeper? I'm going to be very on brand here. It's Brandon Ayuk, and it's always going to be Brandon Ayuk, and I refuse to stop drafting this. Um, Ayuk had a phenomenal rookie season, and I know we're looking back an extra year because last year was rough, but I will get to that. As a rookie, he recorded a 75.7% success rate against man coverage and 77.6% against the press, uh, 88th and 86th percentile all time in reception perceptions database. So every receiver that Matt Harmon has ever charted, uh, 88th and 86th percentile, which puts him in a tier that starts at AJ Green level of career arc. Like, that's where that tier starts and just upward projection from there. Um, the kid is just a phenomenal separator. He's a phenomenal um, immediate route runner. That's where he excelled the most. Um, and, I mean, part of that was because you don't run deep routes when Jimmy G's your quarterback. And I know he didn't live up to expectations, but he also quietly was much more efficient than he was in his rookie season. He had 14.8 yards per route was, which was up 2.3 yards from 12.5 in his, in his first year. Um, Trey Lance was third in truth O value last season when you remove um, any thresholds for attempts. So in those games that Trey did start, uh, his ball was I- incredibly valuable. So, I, I mean, I, I like Brandon Nayuk and I always have, uh, one of the things that was 
you know, the, the biggest narrative last year was he was in the doghouse. He was in Shanahan's doghouse and it was tough to get it out. Like Shanahan has a bigger ego than anybody in the league other than Bill Belichick, arguably. Um, but even after like, with all of that and after that he was a wide receiver one three times after week nine and what's interesting about using that threshold is that's the first time that in writing kyle shanahan said in an interview like oh brandon Ayuk has been doing what i wanted in practice that was week nine and then week nine onwards he was a wide receiver one three times Mm. so like that guy i don't like using splits and they don't really work for analytics but they do for narratives because that's literally the time that kyle shanahan goes oh he's finally out of my doghouse and then brandon Ayuk proceeds to put up a 25 percent target share in three top 12 weeks so like that guy is clearly good at football there's no denying it and i think he's being underdrafted and undervalued in in every format man i think this is going to be the first one you know what, Matt? I'm sorry about this. I I hope you're right, but I'm gonna go 2.5. I have I I just I just don't see an offense um, that can provide him with what you're gonna need for him to pay off um, the way that you want him to pay off. Because I mean, he, sure, he's gonna be a wide receiver four, uh, maybe a wide receiver three. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go 2.5. But I think I think Matt, you know, I think Matt has a chance to beat me out here. To be honest, uh, Jason, 3.4. I'll one up you, Michael. I'll give it a 3.5. All right. That is it for our mid-levels, which is coming to our sleepers, the deep sleeps, the guys who you're going to be able to get in the eighth round or later uh, in the most for the most part. Uh, Matt, have we, I shouldn't. This is bad. This is bad hosting. Matt was last, and now he's going to he's going to start. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to start since uh, to, to make it a little bit different. Um, the reason I want to start is because remember what you said about that 21% uh, target percentage that uh, if someone's getting 21% of the targets from Pat Mahomes, then he's going to be able to have a good fantasy season. You remember when oh you said that, right? You re- Don't tell me MVS is on your list. I'm about to retire what? To, with no, Jason from bro. this damn podcast. Oh, okay. I just mentioned my equation. Opportunity, talent, situation. But sometimes you can't get all three. And sometimes you need to take two. And when I need those two, the the uh, two out of the three, two out of the three, because it's when it's one out of the three, I don't want them. But when it's got to be two out of the three, I prefer. Bro, no one knows what you're saying right now. No, only you. I prefer opportunity and situation. There you go. That's what I prefer. And when you're talking about opportunity, you're talking about the number one receiver for the Green Bay Packers. I my low level sleeper is Alan Lazard, ladies and gentlemen. I love myself some Alan Lazard. I have so much Alan Lazard share in my leagues, and I know Matt doesn't agree with me, but that's okay because I'm gonna tell you this right now. This guy is five, six five. The role is there. The opportunity is there. You're talking about a guy who has 14 touchdown catches, and he only has 104 total catches in his entire career, and 14 of them have been for touchdowns. Now. Look, you're getting this guy in the eighth round. I'm not sitting here and telling you that he's going to be a, a wide receiver one. I'm not sitting here and he's going to say he's going to get 30% of the target share. I'm not saying that. But if you look at his past, if you look at Alan Lazard and what he's done, last season when Devontae Adams was off the field, Aaron Rodgers had the sixth highest passer rating in the league when targeting Alan Lazard, according to Mike Wright. The fifth most fantasy points per target was going to Alan Lazard. And in the entire history of Aaron Rodgers, 
the lowest target share A-Rod has ever given a wide receiver one was 21%. And that was Randall Cobb in 2013. So, you have a guy that Aaron Rodgers is familiar with. You have a guy who, in the whole precedent of Aaron Rodgers' career. And Randall Cobb was competing with Jordy Nelson. He was competing with competing with Devontae Adams. You're talking about a guy who has to compete with um, Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins and Romeo Dubs, right? Robert Tanyan. Okay, this is who he's competing with for targets. Alan Lazard is going to be... I don't, I don't mind if he only catches five balls a game, as long as one of those is in the red zone. And he has 10 touchdowns written all over him. He has Fantasy Sleeper written all over him. And there's no other option in the red zone for a passing option for the Green Bay Packers. I love myself some Alan Lazard. Like Jones. All right. No, I mean, the, the, the running back's going to eat. But at the, at the end of the day, bro, look, A-Rod might be the best player in history at timing routes in the end zone. Like he that that's just what he does. So if you're talking about a timing route in the end zone, a back shoulder route in the end zone, no one's catching that except Alan Lazard in this team. So I love me some Alan Lazard here as a low level sleeper. I think you should grab him in the eighth round whenever you can. Zero. There's no reason to not. <laughs> um, obviously, Matt does not agree with me. He says zero. I I, I don't understand, well, I really Matt. Like I don't understand. You, I absolutely love that you referenced my target share point that's and right. then proceed to talk about a guy that has a career target share of 12.6 percent with with Devonte adams so, <laughs> i should mention 40 percent of the targets with Devonte adams, target. adams and mvs off the offense 40 percent of the targets gone good players are in targets good players are in targets when they're not playing with Devonte adams there, there needs to be something to be said about his new role anyway uh we're we're running really long in this episode so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna I'll keep arguing he, matt does not agree michael i'll give it a 2.8 oh, i could see a, a one-off a one-off uh, Sidney Rice or Brandon Lloyd type season happening, but I mean, based on his historical production, he he has not been great. But I do at his ADP, I don't hate it just because he's he's going so low. I just want to say this too: the handoff to number one receiver in Green Bay, the only ones that do it better is Pittsburgh, because the handoffs since Aaron Rodgers has been in tow, it's been Greg Jennings handing the ball off to to Jordy Nelson, handing it off to Devontae Adams, and now we're handing it off again to Alan Lazard. This team has been, I, I mean, it, none it's of the, them were UDFAs. None <laughs> of them are, yeah, anywhere near the level of talent that any of those receivers are, but that's fine. Next. 6'5", six, six, man. <laughs> Jason? I mean, Aaron Rodgers' number one receiver is in low-level sleeper territory, so I'm giving it a four. Thank you. God, these guys these guys are like, oh, you shouldn't draft Aaron Lazard because he doesn't have wide receiver one upside. That's okay. He doesn't need to be I the wide receiver one. You can I get him as your wide receiver fine at 80 I did. <laughs> All right, let's get into these busts. And False. We still no. have low-level sleepers, brother. Do we? We do. Oh, man, I wasn't the last one this time. I was the first one. All right, let's keep going with the low-level sleepers. Matt, you're up. I'll, I'll, it'll be pretty quick. Uh, I'm Again, on brand for me, it's going to be Rondale Moore. And a big part of my argument is just start and end with, if you if you think Christian Kirk is a good wide receiver whatsoever, then Rondale Moore now has that role. And I promise you is a much better wide receiver than Christian Kirk. Rondale literally has the greatest, the greatest uh, true freshman breakout tree of college football. 
Like that guy put up a thousand yard five and five or fifteen hundred scrimmage yards. Let's just do it that way. Season with fifteen touchdowns at seventeen years old in the Big Ten. Like that kid is a phenomenal football player. He's also the only wide receiver in the history of the NFL to be able to run under a four four, jump a forty inch vertical, and bench press the two twenty limit over fifteen times. The only one ever. So that's interesting. Um, Rondell's just a next level athlete, man. I think it's the the big blockade there is going to be Cliff Kingsbury. He's got to utilize him properly, but utilizing a incredibly speedy small wide receiver out of the slot isn't the hardest thing to do in the NFL. It's just actually the role that they play. And now he's in Christian Kirk's 85, you know, reception, 100 target role um, without Devontae Adams for the first six weeks in his sophomore season. Um, and yeah, uh, there's nothing really overly positive to speak of that that rookie season. Those three big games when they finally decided we can just throw screens to this kid and he can take 70 yard screens to the house on any given moment. Um, and when they finally really started using him as the athlete that he is in open space, you saw a lot of success from the kid. Yeah. He's got a really low a dot, but so did Debo Samuel and so did Jalen Waddle. And so did, so did, so did everybody that plays a similar yards after the catch role. Um, it, it low, low a dot is not a killer uh, analytic for wide receivers by any means whatsoever. And I um, mean, it, it's definitely a fandom reach here, but you're talking about a guy that's going after, 15 kickers in ADP that is the number two wide receiver for the first eight weeks on the highest volume scoring offense or potentially you want, you know, when Kyler's healthy, he, they were um, highest volume scoring offense in the NFL. So, I mean, I would, yeah, I would, I'm, I'm always going to be in on Rondale, but like, I'm super in on Rondale as a sophomore. I really wish that I could disagree with you because you just disagreed with me so hard, but 4.5 when we were, when we were putting this, uh, this list together because we send the list to each other so we don't overlap. I put Rondell Moore as in my parentheses because I knew like Matt was going to take Rondell Moore, but he was one of the guys that's in consideration <laughs> for me on this one. Uh, Michael, what what grade do you have this one? Uh, I'll give it like a two point two. Oh, I'm not a Rondell Moore guy. He said, "Why don't you pick somebody better?" <laughs> yeah. Gross. I, I understand. I understand the appeal, but he also has Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins coming back, and I don't think he's going to steal work from either of those guys. Christian Kirk's best games last year were. Um, when DeAndre Hopkins was injured. I just I don't really see the uh the appeal there in terms of target share for Rondell Moore to really be an impact player. Jason? Three. All right, right in the middle for Jason. Let's go okay. to Michael. I'm Who's your deep sleeper, bro? That. Yeah, deep sleeper yeah, three. Um good. I wanted to give a uh, I wanted to give an honorable mention to Devin Singletary for the mid range sleeper, RB twenty six. Look, he was the RB fourteen, seven, ten, and five over the last four games last year when he was the main guy. He's in an ambiguous backfield. Shout out to JJ Zacharyson, the ambiguous backfield theory. Targeting guys there typically is a good bet because um, whoever comes out of there is um, is good. Um, and he's a legit. He could be a legit strong RB two if uh, James Cook doesn't play well. He doesn't. He didn't profile as a great prospect. Um, so I like Devin Singletary at sure. ADP. And then Devontae Parker is my low level. Um, going off the board at wide receiver 59 right now, I just think that's too low. Um, he was a top 30 wide receiver in four of his seven games last season with three top 20 finishes, 38th in points per game, 40th in true throw value uh, with Tua throwing him the ball. Uh, Mac Jones had a better rookie season um, than Tua. Well, had a better rookie season than Tua had uh, last season, not in his rookie season. Yeah, he uh, he's not a tremendous wide receiver but he did break out a couple years ago 1000 yards and over nine and nine touchdowns with ryan fitzpatrick and josh rosen at qb mac jones is arguably an upgrade to both of those guys and to a um 
I agree. I'm not expecting some huge breakout from Parker um, in New England, but look, Kendrick Bourne was useful. He was a top 36 wide receiver last year. Jacoby Myers was even useful in PPR leagues, and I'm not a Jacoby Myers guy. And he hates Jacoby, everyone. Yeah, we could see the. I could see Devontae Parker uh, easily being the number one wide receiver option in that uh in that offense, and you could get him at pick wide receiver 59 right now. He's almost a shoe in to beat that ADP. I'm going with three on this one. I just think that Devontae Parker, I, I like him. I, I have him on a few teams, but his 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 ceiling is just capped, in my opinion. How are you feeling about Jason? Four. Max? I mean, Matt. Let's just call you Max. I've been reading. I've been reading. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I've been reading where been the. Chat too much. <laughs> I've been reading where the wild things are to my son. And oh, the, fire. Main, the main character is Max. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a three five, but, but I, the one and a half is completely tilted towards Jacoby Myers. <laughs> Jason, of course. Last one. Uh, I'm going to be quick with this one because it's a guy who's just produced at every level of his life. I'm going with Zamir White. Uh, five star recruit out of high school. That. In college, the guy had over 2,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, over five yards per carry. Uh, ran a four four forty. This guy is just an athlete, and he knows how to run the ball. And he got the injury discount because he's torn both ACLs in um, in his life. Oh, which, but, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, but when you know what, this guy tore both ACLs, and what happened? He's he's still produced in college, and then when he came out, he immediately forced the team that drafted him to release Kenyon Drake and say, "You're gonna be our yep. backup running back." And so, he ran a four four on two. Exactly, he ran a four four. Like clearly wasn't hurt. <laughs> Talk about a fucking young guy just coming back to life. I don't care about Dude, his ACLs. Smooth. The guy knows how to run the ball, man. Pick. And yeah, you know and, who... and Jacobs doesn't want to be a workhorse anymore. Like. I love that pick. Jim. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Josh Jacobs in this next segment, and uh, we're getting a little. We're gonna try and speed it up a little bit because <laughs> okay. uh, we're go- we're taking a little long here. All right, let's uh, get into these busts. Hey, oh, we didn't give uh, numbers for Zamir White. Oh, five. Michael, Michael, you just talked right over the the bust intro. Yeah, we can't. Just hear the classic. Intro. You, yes, it's classic, Michael. Who, classic, you, Michael. No, no, this is how we need to do it. <laughs> you skipped right over us giving our grades of Samir White. You idiot. It's Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I I said we're gonna be talking about it more later. God, you so don't we listen. Can't give grades. You don't for listen. It? No, you're wrong. Just you don't listen. You don't listen. Four. Oh, a four. Go All right. Four. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna go a three. Matt. Five. Five, five, ten. Uh, just by, by the way, my uh, I also put a little thing here. JD McKissick is another one that's in the. It's kind of like in that. Just want to say this: since 2019, seven players have caught at least 148 balls. Zeke, Kamara, Eckler, CMC, Fournette, Aaron Jones, JD McKissick. All right, let's go into these busts. Let's start high. Let's go with the high level bus. Uh, Jason, go ahead, lead us off. All right, odd because I just went, but I'll do it. Uh, oh, I thought that was Michael's and, this one. You guys are, you guys are totally twins. Now, so I'll be quick. Um, a high-level bust is James Conner. Um, I kind of went over this in a different podcast. It might have been the heat wave. It was. But James Conner had his best games last season when two things happened. One, Chase Edmonds, the pass-catching back, got injured. Two, more importantly, Kyler Murray, the running quarterback, got injured. And when those things happened, James Conner got more involved Guess what, guys? Who would have thunk it? Newsflash. Colt McCoy checks down more than Kyler Murray. Whoa. 
Riveting stuff. A Let's just more. keep ignoring that, everyone, while James Conner's drafted in the second round. This guy had 202 rush attempts last year, and he ended with 752 rushing yards. Fucking gross. 64th in the league in yards per carry, 29th in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns. Kyler only had five rushing touchdowns last year. The year before, he had 11. James Conner needs to score another 15 touchdowns in order to pay off at his ADP. I apologize if I'm not willing to bet that James Conner is going to score 15 touchdowns with a healthy Kyler Murray on the field. Big five on this one. Five to the five fives. Yeah, to the, to five, the max five, everywhere. Five. I, I'm not drafting James Conner with any any pick, period. Yeah, I'll go four. All right, Michael. Yeah, max it at five. I agree. Yeah, Michael has to be this guy. Michael, go ahead. You're next. Uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise either. Najee Harris, ADP of RB5, going in the first round. I recently compared Najee to Trent Richardson. I spoke about this on the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, podcast. Um, heat wave, excuse me. Uh, Najee Harris was equally inefficient to Trent Richardson as a rookie. He just had a ridiculous amount of volume. 300-plus rush attempts, 94 targets, which is just absurd, absurd volume. He ended as a PPR RB4 and the RB8 in points per game. So he's the RB8 in points per game as a rookie with over 400 opportunities, and now he's being drafted as the RB5. He had under four yards per carry. He was 51st in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, negative 100 rushing yards over um, expected on the season. He was 60th in yards per reception. He saw 94 targets and ended with 467 receiving yards. Absolutely disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting. Um and now he's being traded as a no-brainer, safe first-round pick in a Mitchell Trubisky-led offense where he's likely not going to see 400-plus opportunities again. I'm fading Harris entirely this year, and I'm almost certain that I'm not going to regret that. There is so many. There's easily 12 players that I'd rather have over Najee Harris, and Najee's going in the first round. Same. In my opinion. So I'm going to say, yeah, Michael, I'm with you. I'm going to say 4.7 there because i do think there's a world where Najee harris gets a ridiculous volume again jason 4.75 <laughs> one dollar uh matt yeah 4.78 4. there oh, it boy. is <laughs> all right matt you're up now who's your first high level bust uh it's got to be dk metcalf man uh that guy saw an incredible amount of targets uh last season he was eighth in target share with 27.3 percent and he finished outside of the top 16 receivers and points per game so you're asking for an upgrade in efficiency and a larger target share on an offense that is trying to run the ball more with geno smith at quarterback i just dk was always a product of of volatile touchdowns in the first place and yeah that's his game that's okay that's you know adam thielen has done it for a long time and he's a massive massive uh, human with incredible speed. So yeah, the guy's going to score a lot of touchdowns, but when you're projecting the Seattle Seahawks to be in a bottom five offense in 2022 and a guy that already saw a slight decline in scoring because Russell Wilson wasn't there and then finished in his lowest career total of points per game. That's when you start to get concerned when he's going off the board as wide receiver 13. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. I'm, I'm with you on DK Metcalf. I think he has the opportunity to return some value, but where he's going, there's no way I'm taking him. I'm going to say, uh, 4.8. Yeah, I'll go four. I'll go four as well. I think we're agreeing with each other too much. It's, it's 
pissing me off. I mean, it's it's <laughs> man. It is what it is. Let's see if you guys. Thing, Mike. You see if you guys go with my bust, David Montgomery. If you guys have been listening to me talk, you guys know that I have been on the do not draft David Montgomery train. The big reason is because of the Bears' offensive line. Uh, the Bears' offensive line is ranked 31st going into the season. It's an absolute mess. It's an absolute mess. And listen to this uh, this uh, quote from PFF. While there's some reason for optimism for Chicago's two second-year tackles that could make leaps this year, that optimism isn't based what they put on tape last year. Larry Borum earned a 61.4 overall grade on six, 633 snaps, while Tevin Jenkins recorded a 47.5 overall grade on 160 snaps. They'll need to make enormous improvements for this tackle to be an even average duo. Um, that's just one of the reasons. David Montgomery gets a lot of... Like, I was listening to someone I respect a lot uh, in, I'll just say it, I guess it's not, to disagree with someone's not disrespectful, Andy Holloway, I was I was listening to him and he was talking about how, yeah, I want those uh, big games that David Montgomery is going to give you every once in a while. Well, you're remembering that because he had one of the easiest running back schedules in the history of football, where he finished as a running back six or better four times in a row at the end of the 2020 season. A lot of people remember that run because it won them some championships and made them, it made them go to the playoffs. But you forget what's on the peripheral of that. David Montgomery only has two career finishes of RB6 or better in his entire career outside of that little short, historically bad rushing defenses. Like, I cannot stress enough. This was like the bottom four rushing defenses in the league in week 14, 15, 16, and 17. Like, this is like defenses that suck and are out of the playoffs that don't care anymore. Last year, he was 58th in points per opportunities, excluding touchdowns. He was 61st in the NFL, 3.8 yards per carry. His true target value, which you're going to say, oh, he's going to catch a bunch of passes, 27th. And Justin Fields is not a guy who's going to check it down a lot. He's going to run. We we mentioned this with J.K. Dobbins. One of the reasons why we were fading J.K. Dobbins earlier in the year last year is because the most uh, offenses go check, uh, look, First read, second read, third read, check down, right? These offensive with Lamar Jackson goes first read, second read, run. And I think that's going to be what you're going to see with, with Justin uh, Justin Fields. First read, second read, run. And that's going to take away the opportunity from from um, from him. The defense is not what you've seen. Uh, there's new royalty, new, I'm sorry, new coach, new system, no loyalty at all. And Khalil Herbert was a running back one in two out of his three starts in his absence. I think this this offense is going to be is going to struggle. David uh, Montgomery has shown nothing but mediocreness throughout his whole career. And when you have a mediocre quarterback in a new situation, which I'm going to be going over in my mid-level bust too, I just, I'm not betting on that at all. So David Montgomery is my high-level bust for this season. I'll give it a three. Really? He's being drafted as a late-round RB. As a He's drafted at RB16 right now. All right, like then, think then about I'll give it a two and a half. Think I about, like, but like an underdog is going a little later than that. I think. Think about the wide receivers you have to pick, pass up to pick David Montgomery. There's times where like Montgomery's there, and then the only running backs around him are like Singletary, Rashad Penny. Nah. Like if you're in a draft that could happen, then I like it. But like, if right, you're, I'm not paying up for him. Fine, if he falls way way short of uh, where he's going right now, he's running back 17. The guys around him, the guys under him right now. Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell. Oh, all right. I'll give you a four. Uh, but, like, I don't know. Fantasy Pros ADP, they they need to, like, reconfigure because I, I feel like they're, yeah. they're wrong. 
<laughs> on a lot. All right, They're so wrong. What's your, I, what's I mean, grades, guys? if that's if that's the case, then I I, I agree. I, I think it's a it, that's a good three point six. Michael, yeah, I'll give it like a three. All right, uh, high level bust. I mean, sorry. Let's get into our mid level bust. Uh, Matt, why don't you start us off on this time? I'm gonna go with Cam Akers. Um, yeah, we we act, just had um, Tim's friend Sofo, who's a phenomenally smart um, doctor, or well, becoming a doctor, but but a physical therapist and and um, somebody that works with high level athletes. And he actually has some positive things to say about Cam Akers. Um, but I'm still not entirely sold coming off of that Achilles injury. And essentially, you're expecting the first ever example of a running back in the history of the NFL to come back from that injury and be at a hundred percent or at a usable uh, rate even. And I've said this on the pod before, but like before the Achilles injury, even with the, all the explosive weeks that he had to close out his rookie season that everybody was really stoked about for that, like those six games to end his rookie season he only had 37 touches so he didn't meet any uh thresholds for efficiency metrics but he was below like 25th in the league in every single stat and points per opportunity he was 72nd uh points per opportunity excluding touchdown 51st and like it just gets worse and worse from there true yards per carry 57th uh rushing yards over expected was 23rd Jew crate was 44th yards created per touch was 51st expected points average was 151st so like cam was never really that good and it's just a product of being in arguably the best offense in the nfl um Going where he's at in that dead zone area, I mean, you just said it around all of those other running backs. Like, give me Elijah Mitchell in the 49ers offense. Uh, give me, honestly, give me Josh Jacobs at that point. Uh, like, I'm just not in on Cam Akers right now. In Dynasty, I think it's a lot different story because if we see any semblance of positive production, whether it be consistent or not, it's going to breathe a lot of life back into him as an asset. Um, but in, in redraft and single leagues, expecting him you know, as your hero RB or your first RB, if you're going heavy wide receiver first, I think that's a really, really risky pick. Agreed. I'm, I'm going to agree with Matt here. I think four here for Mr. Akers. I'm going to give it a 2.5. I'm a little conflicted for Cam Akers. I feel like his ADP isn't, isn't too bad. 2.8. All right. uh, Michael, your mid range bust. Uh, my mid-range bust shouldn't come as a surprise either. AJ Dillon going off the board is RB twenty-five. We're just killing these. The just we're just taking down the running back dead zone one running back at a time. Yeah, look, AJ yeah. Dillon was the, one running back at a time. Dillon was the RB twenty-four on the season last year. It was thirty-seventh in points per game. Um, there's so there's a lot of hype behind them right now. Um, a lot of talk saying he's going to split the workload with Aaron Jones and all that. When push comes to shove. I don't want to spend a sixth round pick on a running back who is secondary in his backfield. And you might say they're going to share work, but when the Packers want a running back on the field going to win a game, they're going to choose Aaron Jones over AJ Dillon. That's just, that's just, I mean, at the end of last year, that wasn't always the case. Well, when they were running the ball, um, AJ Dillon was getting more carries than Aaron Jones at times last year, but Aaron Jones was still the pass catcher for the most part. Either way, look, I'm not, I'm just not drafting a secondary running back in the sixth round. JJ Zacharyson pointed out that only one pair of running backs year over year tend to finish as top 24 running backs together. Why would I 
place my sixth round pick on a bet that happens once or twice a year on average. That once or twice is probably also skewed from Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb yeah. just doing it every single year that they're yeah. together. So, And even if A.J. Dillon does meet ADP production, I don't think it's going to be anything that makes me say, damn, I missed out on A.J. Dillon. He's a, in, in my opinion, he's an elite handcuff, except you have to draft him in the sixth round. And I don't draft elite handcuffs in the sixth round. I, I go more into Dylan on the Green Bay Packers heat wave. So I don't want to, I don't want to just keep repeating myself. Jason, what's your grade? I mean, in the sixth round, I like it, but I'm like, you can get him in home leagues and Yahoo ESPN in like the eighth, ninth round. I'm going to give it a two. I don't like taking him. I don't mind taking him back there. Uh, he was a top 12 running back into last year, and if anything were to happen to Aaron Jones, he's a league winner. I'm going to say 1.6. Six rounds. I, 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 I don't – look, Michael might wow. say you're taking a chance on on these these things happening that don't happen before and, and things like that. I understand. That's the Elijah Moore round. Like, yeah, that's you guys are like bugging. The, that's yeah. like the Rashad Bateman round. That's like the – I don't know. I'm gonna give it a higher than that. I'm gonna give Mike like a three nine there. Like I, I take I, Chase like in our in our home I, league. I, want I got AJ Dillon pretty late. No, you got him in like a sixth or seventh round, bro. Yeah, like seventh. Yeah, but when you're in a draft that it's actually with smart people who are drafting the good wide receivers, I think it's also and Bateman and Moore are gone, and then it's AJ Dillon okay. or Christian Kirk. I'm taking Dillon. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's yeah, where I me mean, and Jason yeah. are. are it's on the same definitely age. the way that your board falls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I take someone like Chase Edmonds over AJ Dillon, and he goes I do like around. Oh, that I agree later. with you. All right, mid range, Jason, you're up next. Uh, I'm going with the one and only Gabriel Davis. Wow. His hype has gone too far, man. He's like wide receiver 20 on underdog or something. Like there are people out there drafting him over Corlin Sutton, Marquise Brown, Elijah Moore. Don't be one of those people. You guys remember Chris Hogan when he had that one really good preseason game was being drafted as a like a top 16 wide receiver and yeah. really sucked? This is that. Like, Gabe Davis has played 33 games in his life, and guess what? It took him until his 34th to actually have one breakout game, and it's because the spotlight was on him when it happened that everyone's freaking out about it. Like, technically speaking, if you look at, like, game started on the – uh, like the Bills depth chart and shit. He started 11 games as a rookie and then four last year. So he already like lost playing time last year in that sense. And Josh Allen has never carried a wide receiver too. And there's a reason for that. He has Stefan Diggs, who's a true alpha. He has Dawson Knox, who's a true red zone threat. He has running backs, including Devin Singletary, as Michael mentioned earlier, who do play well. Like, we overlook the Bills running game because they there's not one person putting in all the work. But if you add all their numbers together, it's a pretty good running attack. When they went to the ru- rushing-based offense last year, that's when they started winning a lot of games. Yeah. And then, of course, Josh Allen is going to rush in eight touchdowns or more as well. Isaiah McKenzie's getting hype out of camp. They brought in Jamison Crowder. Like, it's not like it's Diggs, Davis, and no one else. And last year, guys, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this. He had 18 red zone looks. That was 15th in the NFL for wide receivers. Well, he scores touchdowns. Gabriel Davis was 15th in the NFL in red zone looks last year. He's going to beat that this year? He had like four touchdowns or some shit before he scored four in one game in the playoffs. Like, I really don't even expect his volume to go up that much. He's being drafted as a wide receiver, too. It's wild. 
Uh, He's a flex at best. I don't see the breakout happening. 2.5. I'll give it a three. Depending on the roster I put together, I take shots on Gabriel Davis. Um, But he's not someone I generally target at his current ADP. Matt? I give it a four or five. Ooh. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with Jay. (laughs) All right. For sure. I'm going to go to my mid level, the last mid level sleep, the last mid level bust. Oh, man, the guy who I was tooting the horn for two years ago, and now I will not stop tooting the horn against, Josh Jacobs. Look, there's a lot of things that Josh Jacobs is bad at. One of them is running the football. (laughs) Um, Look, you got to be trying very hard to get as much opportunity as Josh Jacobs did and not have one single play over 30 yards last year. Uh, I'm sorry, in two seasons. And And you're talking about a situation where Kenyon Drake did it, uh, a few times, uh, Devin Booker did it. Uh, not Devin Booker. De- um, Devontae Booker did it a few times. Like his backup running backs have been more explosive than he has. And I think it, there's, you know, sometimes you just have to read the signs. Josh McDaniels comes into town, and, and Jason already talked about Zamir White. Zamir White gets drafted. They add Brandon Bolden, a pass catcher. They add Amir Abdullah. They get rid of. Kenyon Drake, they kind of redo that running back room. And then the most important thing, they don't pick up the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs. So Josh Jacobs is in a prove-it prove it year. Josh McDaniels has been one of the most annoying coaches to figure out in terms of the backfield. I don't think that that goes anywhere unless Zamir White steps up. I think it's going to be a, a running back by committee. I think Josh Jacobs in the fifth round is going to be someone that you do not are not happy. I can see he has a real possibility to lose his job. I think that both him and Montgomery have real, real, real possibilities to lose their jobs. I, I really think so because of the because of the new coaching staffs, their quality and the quality of their backups. Um, and just just want to throw that out there before we move on. Amari Cooper as well is, it was in the running for this one. Uh, if you want to go back to the Browns and listen, Matt Matt puts up a bunch of stats. I, I suggest it. Uh, I don't want a fake alpha with Joey Brissett. Um, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, so let's get into our low-level busts. Um, these are low-level guys, so we'll try and keep it snappy here. Uh, Michael, why don't you keep us, kick us off? Michael pointed out that I forgot the grades again. So, Michael, go ahead. Everyone grade me. Mark Cooper gets a five. And then what about Josh Jacobs? Three and a half. Yeah, I'll go four for each of them. Matt? But again, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Three, three, five to three, eight for each. Excellent. All right, Mike, you're up. Uh, low level sleeper. I mean, low level uh, bust. Yeah, so I went deep here for the low level bust. I'm going with George Pickens. And look, I have nothing against George Pickens, the player um, or the prospect. I actually like him as a prospect. But the ADP inflation from his impressive preseason has just been absolutely absurd. Um, he's like the wide receiver version of Damian Pierce this preseason, just a, a better prospect though overall coming out right now his ADP he's going ahead of his teammate Chase Claypool he's going ahead of Garrett Wilson who was drafted 10th overall Traylon Burks who was drafted I think 17th overall it was or somewhere in that range Devontae Parker Jarvis Landry like I'm not taking George Pickens over any of these guys he's a he's a rookie on a team that doesn't even have like it's not like he's going to a team with no competition 
They have Deontay Johnson, who's been the alpha there and just got paid to continue being the alpha there. They have Chase Claypool, who's a big weapon um, and had nine touchdowns his rookie season. Pat Fryermuth, who just had a tremendous um, rookie season and is a clear red zone threat for that team. Najee Harris, who saw 94 targets last year and is going to be involved in the passing game. And all this is coming from Mitchell Trubisky at the very least to start the season. And then maybe George Pickett, uh, excuse me, uh, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, Pickett, who's also a wild card at this point. He's a good prospect. I like the player. He's more of a dynasty target um, to me. I think people are just really uh, missing the ball here with George Pickett's ADP. I just, I just don't see how drafting him ahead of guys like Garrett Wilson makes any sense. I'm going to give this a 0.1. Like I, I, I just like <laughs> like you listen to who the guys you just coupled him with. I don't know how he's going over Devonte Parker and Jarvis Landry. Like yo, all right, fine. Devonte Parker and Jarvis Landry might be your boring ass no ceiling dudes that are gonna get you ten points a week. You're talking about George Pickens. And what's talking, George Pickens gonna get for you, bro? They're they're <laughs> upside. He's gonna get you upside. You don't know. Oh, what George draft Pickens Garrett is Wilson get. or Traylon Burks. Why? Because they're not they're not they're not in the offense that that makes wide receivers into superstars. Here's another thing that I think is underrated. I tweeted when this Ben out. Roethlisberger, the Hall of Famer, was a quarterback. I not tweeted Mitchell Trubisky. I tweeted this the other day, and I think that it's it's it plays it it it's worth mentioning. George Pickens is a fucking monster blocker, and he's a willing blocker. He's gonna be on the field because of that. They they run three wide receiver sets all the time. He's gonna be on the field. It, I, I don't think Chase Claypool, outside of a four-touchdown game, has done nothing in his career to tell to let you think, besides being big, that he's going to be great. Nothing. Why can't his job be How taken? How many passes do receivers catch when they run block? Uh, <laughs> Why do you ask fucking... Uh, when they're on the field. Demarcus Robinson. How many catches do receivers have when they're on the bench? calling a run play. Yeah, how many catches do they have when they're on the bench? Like, if you're on the field, you at least have a shot. Tim, I will bet you one, two, three, four, how many players? Five bets. Claypool better than Pickens, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Devontae Parker, and Jarvis Landry. I'll bet you five server bets. They're all better than George Pickens. Go ahead, write it down. points per game by the end of the year. Go ahead and write that down. Thank you for five wins. You just handed Michael the bet victory. I can remember that one. You just handed Michael a bet victory for the year. (laughs) Four and a half to Michael. Or five for every bet he just won. I'm giving it a five. <laughs> Jason, thi- Jason, guy, I'm, thinking I'm like, that I, really like I lost game. a bet is good news for me because Jason does nothing but lose bets. I ran that shit last year. One time after finishing in dead about? last for like ran, four straight. I'm going years. out on top, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, uh, Jason? Uh, do we do your low level sleeper? Yeah, mine's gonna be bus? super quick. No offense. Hmm. Uh, basically, this is a guy that has never exceeded 700 yards. Uh, never exceeded 70 receptions, never exceeded four touchdowns. He followed his scrub ass quarterback to Seattle. There's honestly, that sounds like a good, that good, that sounds like a good tight end season. There's actually look, if you want a guy who might go 6,604, be my guest. (laughs) Fuck that. There's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on like, he's never played with two receivers like that who are going to take his targets. I, I just not interested in a tight end who doesn't have volume and doesn't have a history of scoring touchdowns and doesn't have a good quarterback throwing to him. So give me Dawson Knox in that range. Give me Pratt Firemuth. Literally 
anyone not named Noah Fant. Hey, Michael. Sorry. I know Michael, Matt. Finish this off. Matt. Matt is a Noah Fant guy. <laughs> I like Noah Fant. Yeah. I I'll do. Give it a, I'll give it a. I mean, I'll give it like a three and a half, just because like, who's really gonna depend on Noah Fant? You know. Two because Noah Fant's on my home league team. This is basically yeah. It's a low level sleeper. This is basically if you're gonna wait on tight end, don't no, rely on Noah Fant. Low I'm level starting. Level. I'm starting I Austin do, Hooper. I don't disagree him. with that. I don't disagree with that. That that makes that's exactly where that makes sense. Like Who, if you're gonna wait on tight end, maybe it's not the best pick. But man, do I like me some Noah Fant? <laughs> so who's uh who's is that everybody? No, Matt. who's last? Matt, you gotta go. I uh, yeah, I mean I I've got a quick one too, and Mike almost alluded to it. So it might not be as low level depending on how in tune people are with hot news and hot takes, but I just don't see the upside in drafting Damian Pierce. Oh, hot at to, all. Hot to, let hot alone to end it. If you if you let alone if you're still here if you're still here a, a one hour and forty three minutes into the show like it's worth it when you hear that go ahead sorry for at all yeah go ahead Matt yeah no I'm I'm not I'm not touching the kid I mean it's there's really nothing overly positive to speak about um, with Damian Pierce's profile he's never had more than six hundred yards in a single season he only had. 13 touchdowns in his best season, which was a pretty low touchdown share for a pretty crappy Florida offense. And people point to the fact that they, you know, use their quarterbacks to run the football in Florida. And it's like, if Tyler Van Dyke is the reason that I'm supposed to be <laughs> into Damian Pierce, then you can get the hell out of here with that, man. Cause that's absolute nonsense. And uh, kind of interesting when I was just looking at like, the career history of Texans running backs and, and fourth round draft picks, um, there's been 30, running back prospects to get drafted in the fourth round or later since 2006 that have a 6.2 or below uh, NFL prospect grade from NFL scouting. Um, and none of those running backs have ever had more than 16 points per game in any season of their career. So that's over a hundred seasons collected of every single one of those running backs careers. None of them have ever had more than 16 points per game. So Damian Pierce's upside at an absolute ceiling is an RB two. Also interesting is since Arian Foster was the leading rusher in 2012, Houston's RB1 has averaged 206 carries, which let's even give Damian Pierce 210, 220, which I think is a ridiculous ceiling of carries for a team that's not going to be able to run the ball because they're down every game for 871 yards. So in the last decade, the number one scoring running back in Houston has averaged 206 touches and 870 yards. I'm out. Like, I'm not in on a fourth-round pick that was one of the lowest-graded prospects of the class in one of the weakest class that we've seen in over 25 years and expect him to step in. He could get 75% opportunity share and 80% of the rushing volume. He's going to be points per game RB26. I'm with you, Matt. I think four and a half. The Damian Pierce, uh, what's happening right now is really, uh, it's really interesting to see. They're treating him as if it's week two. It's like it's as if it's Wednesday week two and everyone's on the waiver wire looking for a running back that's just going to get touches because like, yo, yeah. like like it's it's a running back for the Texans. I don't want him. Period. Well, and, I don't and care like, how good he is. The hype's even increased since they cut Marlon Mack. But it's like if good. you didn't know that Damian Pierce was a starter when they drafted him, then I don't know like what you're doing with your rookie prospecting. Like he, his value should have moved nowhere. He was the starter the moment they called his name on the ticket of the draft. Like his value should have moved nowhere. He hasn't changed as a prospect. And real quick, I'm sorry, I just need to ramble real quick. 
Oh, yes, Jason, hit us. Yo, has there ever... I'm sorry, Mr. Marlon Mack. I'm sure you're a good-hearted person, and don't take any of this personally. But has there ever been a bigger fucking scrub that has affected fantasy football so much without ever actually affecting fantasy football? <laughs> this motherfucker has never been good, yet people faded Jonathan Taylor because of him. People are drafting Damian Pierce in the seventh round because of him. People are worried. Every fucking year we hear the name Marlon Mack as a concern for not drafting another player. It's absurd. He's never been good. There's a reason why he's on the street now. Sorry, Mr. Mack. It's just the truth. And Damian Pierce is just that. If you're scared, like Matt said, of Damian Pierce because of Marlon fucking Mack, then maybe you shouldn't even like Damian Pierce. Facts. Hey, Mr. Mack. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Move you back around the two. <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh, hey, Mr. Scott, I'll what tell you what that do? is. That's what del- you gonna do? Make our dreams come true. That's delirium. Scott, Scott, Tim, come on. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, that's delirium setting in because it's eleven fifty-two p.m. on the on the East Coast right now, um, and we are burning the midnight oil for you. Uh, don't forget that we have new episodes coming on Tuesday and on Thursday night. Um, Thursday night will be the first week preview. We're going to switch up the style of the preview because, you know, new, uh, new team, uh, new style of the preview. Uh, don't forget to download the app. Uh, you know, during the heat wave, I got so tired of saying that thing uh, over and over again that I just made, uh, an advertisement and that's going to run in the front of all the, the things. So, uh, that's, that's much better. So, uh, with that being said, uh, where can they find you guys? Oh, ev- everyone came to the mic and didn't say anything. That was so strange. <laughs> and then guys, I tried to beat Mike to the punch. All right. And then they all spoke at the same time. For the last time, as the full-time podcaster, the special guest will be back. At Brodoff of Jason. At Brodoff of Mike. At Psychward FF. Jason's retiring like Peyton Manning retired. <laughs> at uh, at Brodo FF Tim. Or not Peyton Manning. Uh, someone who came back. Peyton Manning came back, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someone who came back from from retirement. He's Favre, retiring like that person. Brady. Favre. There you go, Brady. You're retiring like Tom Brady's retiring. Floyd Mayweather. All right, guys. Uh, it's been an hour and 45 minutes. Peace. Later. <laughs> Later. <laughs>